people who once lived for their own glory would now by His grace live for His glory. It is not okay that masses and masses of human beings do not live in peace with God. Listen, as you walk the streets and you realize most people don't understand this, it ought to break your heart. It ought to make you weep. We must not become comfortable with this. Because if it was okay for us to live in broken relationship with God, Jesus wouldn't have come. This weekend on the Songtime broadcast, we're celebrating Christmas with our theme verse here in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Stay tuned for that message ahead in the broadcast with Paul David Tripp. But first, we'll be joined by Elise Fitzpatrick as we talk about how our peace the peace that we're really searching for is still yet to come. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. Our theme verse for this Christmas season has been Luke chapter 2, verse 14. It's the song of the angels as they announce the birth of Jesus and declare glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The irony of this verse is that Jesus came into a very chaotic situation and even his life and ministry did not seem to exude a peace on earth, at least not the peace that you and I often think about. If we look at the world around us today, it'd be hard to find true peace on earth. We certainly haven't seen it in the last several years with political unrest, racial tensions, and of course, the pandemic, which was a global uh, chaos. We don't see peace in the Middle East. We certainly don't see peace in Europe. It's hard for us to even find peace in our own families, in our own communities. So where is this peace? And if Jesus came to bring us peace, why don't we see it in a tangible sense? Well, the truth is we have a peace that is yet to come, a peace that is future, a new heaven and a new earth. And to talk about that with us today, we're joined by Elise Fitzpatrick, who joins us as a part of our Doctrine series, talking about her book called Home, How a New Heaven and the New Earth Satisfy Our Deepest Longings. It's a great privilege to have her with us today. Elise, thank you for joining us. This idea of peace is is something, the new heaven and the new earth, that seems so forward. It seems like it's all in the future. And yet that concept, the concept of heaven, ought to be a motivation for us here and now. I'm reminded of a quote from uh, Dr. D.A. Carson who said that uh, often I'll hear people say that they're so earthly-minded or so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. And uh, Dr. Carson says, "Um, I don't think there's anyone who is so heavenly-minded that they aren't earthly good because the very idea of being heavenly-minded should change how we act in this world. And, you know, I think Americans, and I'll just speak to my, my own tribe, Americans here, uh, we have it really pretty easy. Uh, we are living in this incursed world. Yes, of course, we have, there is suffering. But compared to, let's say, the early church under Rome, we have it really pretty easy. So because of that, we don't think a lot about heaven, you know, because it's kind of nice here. And why would I want to go there? But if you lived in South Sudan or you lived in Iran or you lived in China, Uh, you might think a lot more about heaven than you presently do. And that's because 
the life of a Christian is always the life of an exile on the road home. That's always the life of a Christian. We are always people who are strangers and aliens. And we are on a journey. We're on our way home. And we just got to not get sidetracked into anything else that's going to draw our heart's affections. And, you know, Calvin said our hearts manufacture idols. So, you know, I'm going down the road and I'm on my way home, but I'm always seeing things, you know, that are that's drawing my attention away. I'm going to keep my attention. <laughs> Star Wars, stay on target, <laughs> right? Stay on target. Keep your thoughts and your mind focused on where you're going. And then all of these other voices that call to us and say, come over here, worship here, hang out here. You'll be happy here. No, actually, I'm in exile and I'm on my way home. Mm. I'm going to be focused on that. We tell our listeners all of the time to linger a little bit longer at the foot of the cross, to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. But we could also just as easily say to linger a little bit longer in your understanding of heaven, because that is a proper motivation for your ministry here on earth. Uh, For any of our listeners who are struggling, maybe they have family members, children or grandchildren that have not placed their faith in Christ. They obviously want to see them in heaven and the new earth and this home. They want to make their home a place that promotes the home of Christ. What advice or encouragement do you have to our listeners who are struggling with accepting that they are going to heaven? They understand that, but they have loved ones who likely won't. You know, uh, the way that I deal with that in my own heart and mind is simply to say, God is far more merciful and far more powerful than I could ever know. And so if God could save me, and I was not raised in a Christian home, I didn't come to Christ until right before my 21st birthday, having lived a debauched lifestyle in Southern California, okay? So if God could save me, and I was not looking for God, if God could save me, then I have hope that he can save anyone, even if it's in the last breath of that person's life. So do we wish that they would spend their life, not spend their life in futility? Yes, of course. However, I'm so trusting in the mercy of God. And the other thing that I know, Adam, is this. There won't be any crying in heaven. So what does that mean? It basically means that somehow I will be reconciled to the work that God has done. And then I throw myself on the mercy of God and say, please, God, for these people I love, have mercy. We've been talking with Elise Fitzpatrick. Her book is called Home, How Heaven and the New Earth Satisfy Our Deepest Longings. And in fact, uh, Elise is going to be teaching these at her church there in Southern California. So if people want to see some of these videos, they'll be coming out here in January. Where can they go and how can they see through uh, some of these lectures that you'll be giving? 
Thank you. Uh, yes, they can just go to my website, which is just Elise, E-L-Y-S-E, Fitzpatrick, F-I-T-Z, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, EliseFitzpatrick.com, and the resources will be there for uh, a 12-week study. For then, every one of the lectures is about a half an hour long. It's on each one of the chapters in the book, so you could go through it by yourself or gather a group of friends and watch it online. Well, what a great resource and a helpful one. In, in particular, a one that should move us and motivate us to be at work and the mission that God has given to us to go and make disciples and join with many of the family members of God as we look forward longingly to the promise yet to be fulfilled, the promise of this new heaven and new earth. I can't thank you enough. It was a real joy to talk to you, Elise. Thank you thank for being you. a part of the many voices for that one message. Thank you. It's a privilege. Once again, we have been talking with Elise Fitzpatrick about her book called Home, How Heaven and the New Earth Satisfy Our Deepest Longings. You can find out more information about her book by giving us a call, 508-362-7070, or heading over to our website at songtime.com. When we think about heaven, the new earth, we have a future longing, a future place where we can find the peace that our souls are so desperately longing for. But that is not something that means we should check out in the world right here and right now. In fact, we're told that we can have peace on earth and that we can actually advance the kingdom of God and pray for that. As Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth even as it is in heaven. This is not something that is being withheld. It's not the carrot that is being dangled before us so that it'll get us to motivate us to, to move along in the life that we're living. It is something that is tangible, something that we can wrap our hands around and really hold close to our hearts as we see that peace is actually a fruit of the Spirit. We discover this in the song of the angels as they declare the announcement that the Savior of the world has been born. They announced this to shepherds while watching over their flocks at night. And this announcement carries with it the song that we should be singing. It's our theme verse and the song of our refrain, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Here is Paul David Tripp with a closer look at this refrain and why it should be central to our thinking about God in the future, but also here and now. It was by far the most important event ever, accompanied by the most important song ever that contained the most important announcement ever. I want to get you to think with me about this very, very familiar one-sentence hymn that is found in Luke 2:14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There's something about familiarity that puts our brains and our hearts into sort of a mental spiritual monotone. Yes, this is a hymn of celebration of that baby's birth, the Messiah that was promised. But these words also, in a very clear way, define your need and mine. And in defining our need, they define the mission of that baby in the manger. 
And if they define our need and they define his mission, then hear what I'm about to say. These words not only announce a birth, they predict a death. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I don't know if you've noticed this in yourself, but you are glory-focused. You were created so that the principal motivation in your life would be that God would be praised, that God would be pleased. We know that creation was designed to point us to the glory of God. But in a sad moment of disobedience and rebellion, Adam and Eve chose rather to live for the glory of the creation than the glory of God. And ever since that horrible moment, there has been in all of our hearts glory confusion and a glory war. We don't always live for the glory of God. Very often we forget God's glory and we live for other glories. In fact, you could argue That every sin has at its root an exchange of God's glory for some glory in creation. We have a glory problem. Imagine what it would be like to live in a world where every heart of every human being was ruled by the glory of God. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. The second word is that word peace. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. You and I were created for peace with God. And that that peace with God would allow us to have peace within. Not peace because we're strong. Not peace because we're wise. Not peace because we know what's happening next. But peace because we have this relationship with the one who rules it all and who guides us by his hand. And so because of our relationship with God, even though we don't know uh, all that we need to know and we can't predict the next day, we have peace in our hearts. Rest. But when that shalom with God is shattered, then the result is our hearts are not at rest. There is a horrible moment in the garden where God comes down in the cool of the day to commune with Adam and Eve. Yet Adam and Eve aren't running to meet him. They're not excited to see him. No, they're hiding in guilt and fear because... They have been disobedient and that peace with God has been shattered. All of us have the experience of anxiety, sometimes anxiety that we can't escape. Peace with God, peace within. The third thing that we were created for, peace with others. You see, when when I don't have peace with God and I don't have peace inside of myself, it makes it very hard for me to live at peace with others. And our lives are marked by conflict. Brokenness with God leads to brokenness within, leads to brokenness in the community that's around us. This song really does capture the great human dilemma. Listen, you know this. Jesus didn't come first on a political mission to establish an earthly kingdom. Jesus, in fact, didn't come on a religious mission. 
to make sure that you did external, religiously appropriate things. No, Jesus' mission is much more radical than that. If I have a glory problem, and if I have a peace problem, then what I have is a heart problem. My problem is that there's something broken in my heart. The prophecies of the coming Christ are very clear that He is coming to address that problem. I will give them a new heart. And that people who once lived for their own glory would now by His grace live for His glory. It is not okay that masses and masses of human beings do not live in peace with God. Listen, as you walk the streets and you realize most people don't understand this, it ought to break your heart, it ought to make you weep. We must not become comfortable with this. Because if it was okay for us to live in broken relationship with God, Jesus wouldn't have come. You see, that stolen glory and that shattered peace left us all guilty. Because rather than living for God, we have sought to be God. And the sentence of that guilt is death. You do not understand that baby in the manger unless you know that that baby came to be a lamb. Here was the plan. He would come and from day one, all of his thoughts and all of his desires, all his actions, reactions, and responses would be fully and completely and perfectly lived to the glory of God. And on the cross, he would bear our penalty and he would face the rejection of the Father so that we could know his acceptance and peace with him. Upward peace that would create inward peace, that would give us the ability to have outward peace. That was the plan. He must die so that we would live. So that raised out of human beings who live for their own glory, raised out of human beings who don't care for peace with God, would be a company of people who growingly are captivated by the glory of God, who love the fact that they have peace with God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace with whom He is pleased. I understand the complexities of of celebrating Christmas by looking to the past and remembering the birth of Jesus and celebrating the, the start of something new. But when we look at the world today and we see the destruction and the chaos, we see a similarity to the world that Jesus came into. And we have to ask the question, where is this peace on earth that the angels were talking about when Jesus was born? It seems so far removed from us, and it seems that it's only in the future, except for the fact that we see that Christ has accomplished his work by putting his feet on his kingdom here on earth. He has claimed this world as his own. He has crushed the head of the serpent. He has won his victory over sin and death. And with that, we truly can have peace. But throughout the story of the gospel, we are reminded of the fact that this world will not be able to provide us what our souls so desperately long for. 
When we go into Christmas this year, and especially a year where there will be probably a little bit less presents underneath the tree, there will be a little more chaos around the dinner table. There's no conflict even in our family, in our homes. We need to be reminded of the fact that we have been given the grace of God, the gift of Christ, the love that is is only a fruit of the Spirit. And as we are expressing the peace that surpasses understanding, we ought to be witnesses to those around us. That although this world is chaotic in all of its shapes and forms, we can be reassured in the love of God that he is in control, that he is working all things together for our good, and that we can be we can be at peace knowing that he holds our future. We can trust him day by day. But that means we need to seek first the kingdom of God. We can't seek first the, the kingdoms of our own making. We can't build our sandcastles and, and expect them to survive in the world that is constantly shaking and shifting and the waves that are rising. Instead, we ought to focus on the things that are eternal. Your family, everyone in your family is an eternal soul. We want to make sure that they are saved and that they are going to heaven when they die. Everyone in your community is an eternal soul. And as you work in your church, your church will continue even in the new heaven and the new earth. Can you imagine that? As the body of Christ joins together at the, 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 the marriage supper of the Lord. What a beautiful picture that is. We are the bride of Christ carried into the new heaven and the new earth. You know what else is eternal? The word of the Lord will never return void. It's our heart and our desire to continue to proclaim this gospel message on the airwaves. But you know what? It's only possible with your love, your prayers, and your support. If you believe in the work that we're doing and you've been blessed in any way, would you consider giving an eternal contribution to the ministry and the advancement of the kingdom of God? When you write to us with your end-of-the-year donation to Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to wish each and every one of you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Luke 2.14, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased.